Hello and welcome to another episode of The Godly Grunts. I'm your host, John Cooper, and this is where we train soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. And so I hope everyone is having a uh, splendid day or whenever you're listening to this. Um, I'm glad to uh, to record another episode. Unfortunately, Matt is not with me. Um, as you guys have seen, it's been since May, and, and here I'm recording here at the end of uh, July since we've done an episode. And so um been a while, lots lots been going on, as you guys uh, can imagine. And um, so we, we apologize for not keeping uh, content coming out. Um, however, uh, just with the busyness of life and, and that kind of stuff, this is where we are. So we're going to put out episodes when we can, uh, and we're going to continue through the Wisdom of the Warfighter um, track and just kind of at the end of this give some updates as to what's uh, been going on with the godly grunts with matt and i and uh and uh just hopefully we can get him on for the next one here in the next month but um we last time we looked at the balance between um train and trust that there's a there's an, there's an element of god's sovereignty um in warfare and uh, there's a lot of battles that happen. Obviously, there's battles that happen and um, in life and war, and we don't know why those things are happening. And so we we have to trust that God's in control. We read in Isaiah 19 that God moves armies, right? You know, Assyria is just the axe, and God is the uh, God is the one who wields it. And but there's also an aspect where we have to train ourselves. We have to train for war. And so um, there's this balance, right? There's it's prepare the horse for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. And so that's really uh, what we look at. And so we're going to look at the train today. We're going to look at the training aspect of uh, this train and trust. And we're going to see what what does Proverbs have to say? Because we're going through the wisdom for the warfighter, wisdom literature. What does uh, that have to say? And so the first thing you need to know in preparing for battle is leadership, right? Leadership is the it factor on the battlefield. Without it, a unit is doomed to fail. Uh, more, more than equipment, more than transportation, uh, leadership wins the day. And in Proverbs 14, 28, we, we read, In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people, uh, a prince is ruined. So here in this verse, you see that a leader is in his glory when he has people to lead, right? <laughs> and so a people need are in equal need of that leader. So when a lieutenant in the infantry, and I only bring up infantry because that's my experience, um, comes to a battalion level after I Bullock, which is the infantry basic leaders course, he goes to an S shop, right? And that's, and that's uh, support elements in the battalion, right? You got some S shops that are meant for, um, you know, HR type stuff. You got, uh, you got some that are meant for logistics. You got some that are meant for communication, uh, operations, you know, you name it, intelligence, it's all there. And so, um, I, I've never met a happy lieutenant who's in an S shop. <laughs> like there's no infantry battalion or infantry lieutenant who's like, you know what? I'm glad I'm here. Some of them look back and say, I wish I was still there. But most of them, you're an infantry dude. Like you want to go and you want to get some. And so you get into a S shop. It, it's not a good time, not a good time for you. And, and why? It's because again, they didn't sign up to be admins, right? They're like, I didn't sign up to be a paper boy. I signed up to uh to go get some as an infantry uh platoon lieutenant platoon leader platoon commander if you're in the marine corps and uh when that lieutenant gets his platoon he's thrilled right now is his chance to be down uh on the line instead of behind a desk 
But even this platoon leader uh, experience has a shelf life before the officer is summoned back to the S shop, right? So you get done. Guess what? You either become an XO, the mortar uh, platoon leader, the recon platoon leader, or you go right back to the S shop. And so now lieutenant, uh, so now some lieutenants like the S shop, right? Second time around, they they got their experience, you know, humping the ruck uh, all the time in the field. And they like, man, this wasn't too bad, <laughs> but, um, but most of them don't. They, most of them are like, man, I, I wish I was back um, with the platoon. And why is that? It's because, because their glory of the leader, right? Is in the people they were leading. In the same way, groups of people need leaders to guide them. Uh, therefore, there are rank structures and leaders in every organization. A mass group of people is not going to go uh, the right direction without anyone to point them in the way. Leaders need to be people. Leaders need people and people need leaders, right? That's, that's the way it works. And we all know that leadership is necessary. And there's the debate uh, that, that will always remain. You know, are leaders born or are they made? And, and though, in my opinion, there's a bit of both, right? There is one statement that should have no debate. And that is that there are good leaders and bad leaders, right? <laughs> so whether they're born or made, there's good ones and there's bad ones. And so the scriptures and all our experiences show this to be true. Proverbs 28, 28 says, when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. But when they but when they perish, the righteous increase. Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. When the wicked are in charge, people hide. I used to see it all the time when I was in the army, right? There was a bad commander or command sergeant major. Uh, we would stay as far away as possible. Even if they were good, we didn't like being around, right? But especially if they were bad, you just stayed away. At the platoon level, it was near impossible to stay away from those platoon leaders, you know, that, that they were bad. But no one wants to be around a bad leader. Every time the bad leader smokes you, right, the, the term for discipline, uh, whether we deserved it or not, we could not keep their faults out of our heads. Now, there are times when you cannot control your leader. Uh, it is still your responsibility as a soldier to submit and do the best you can in the situation. You take charge and lead, but make sure all the credit goes to that bad leader, right? Why? Because then he <clears throat> he will crush you every time you lead and see mission success, and there will be a void in true leadership again. Be humble and stay focused. So what, what do I mean by that? So like when you're taking that leadership role, right? There's a bad leader and you're like, I'm just going to take charge here because he's a bad leader. Um, Just give the credit to him because then he's going to continue to let you as the good leader lead, right? Um, Because if you just take the credit and you undermine him, well, then you're just going to now not be able to take charge and um, you're just going to continue to do bad and he'll crush you anytime you try it. So uh, you, you need to still lead, but let him have the credit, right? Eventually, if it, you know, you're going to be seen as the guy who's actually leading the day. Bad leaders don't normally last long. And when they, quote unquote, perish, right? A good leader, and so we're not talking about just dying. Um, they can get transferred, fired, move on. No matter how the bad leader is away, you know, we don't wish they actually perish, right? But when they move, a good leader rises out of the ashes, um, but when that when that leader is removed, it leaves a vacuum, right? And that either a good person directly under them is going to take, or someone from the outside is going to fill. And if that good person is a good leader, uh, then they will be able to put all the best or get all the best out of their soldiers. On the contrary, when when a unit has a good leader, there's a lot of pride. 
right? If you have a good platoon sergeant, there's a lot of pride in that. Um, I remember having a really good platoon sergeant back when we were, at, you know, at with Ricondo, and it was like everyone was proud to be in first platoon, <laughs> right? First platoon was like, you know, we had a good, we had a good leadership, and um, everyone was proud to be in first. Platoon. It was a lot harder. Uh, we got, you know, we did a lot more smoking, stayed a lot, um, stayed late a lot more, got in a lot earlier. We had good leadership and we performed. And so you were really proud. You wanted to give that leader your best. When I was in Afghanistan, there was a situation in which uh, my guys were in a bit of a trouble um, at our outpost. And at the risk of a demotion or really just a, a bad NCOER, it's the performance record for non-commissioned officers. You know, I stood by my guys, defended them uh, and attached my, myself and my character to them. At the end of the day, they were justified and there was a huge sigh of relief, right? But I got something out of that experience that money can't buy. I got buy-in, right? Uh, when the investigation was over, our guys were justified. Um, I asked for double of the motivation. <laughs> I pushed them hard uh, before in training, and and now I push them hard again. But guess what? They got a lot more buy-in. Because they saw that I was willing to stand by them when I could have easily just thrown them under the bus and, you know, said, hey, I'm going to get out of the way. You guys are on your own. And because I stayed there by them, by their side, that that built um, trust, that built by it. And I don't say that to say, like, look at me, I'm a good leader um, because I have a lot of room to grow. Um, But. Whenever I led with wisdom, honesty, uh, competence, and integrity, my soldiers wanted to work hard and wanted to prove that we were the best squad in Afghanistan at the time. That's what we wanted to prove. When a leader soldier has the quote-unquote it factor, right, no one hides from him. Everyone wants to be around a good leader. They want to get to know him and hope that something rubs off. Uh, They want to win. People want to win. They want to share in the joy of being good at something, especially in warfighting. Um. Not only should a leader be good at his job in leading, but we should see, <clears throat> excuse me, but as we see in these two verses, he should be righteous. Being a man of good moral character goes a long way. When you treat everyone the way God would have them, would have you treat them, people will respect and care for you as a leader. Now, it is not good enough to just be a quote unquote good Christian as a leader, right? No matter what the job, you have to excel at your craft. You're not just here to be you know, a good moral person. You got to excel. But when you lead with righteousness and fairness, people rejoice in that. People like that. They like the, the regulations don't have rank, like we talked about in the last episode. Ecclesiastes 10, 17. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your prince's feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Again, here's the idea of when leaders are doing the right things at the right times, those under them are happy and rejoice. As a leader, you must not expect one thing out of your soldiers and do another. A leader does the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. He is trains and uh, that way. He expects the soldiers to act that way, and he holds them to that standard. That's what a good leader does. One of the attributes of good leaders and good teams is that they are always learning. Right. Proverbs four, seven in the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and whatever you and excuse me, whatever you get, get insight. This is the basic concept. Right. If you want wisdom, get wisdom. And when a soldier comes to you and says, I want to run faster, you know, what do I do? (laughs) 
run more, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, sure. They are not running two miles every time, but you tell them to do a sprint and an interval, run long distance, do some leg workouts, but the basics of running faster is to run. The same is true with wisdom. If you want more wisdom, you need to seek it out. You need to, to first come to the source of all wisdom, God. And secondly, you must go to them with those with wisdom that have been around for a while and learn from them. And in the military, those guys are easy to find, right? They're typically a higher rank than you. Some of them have gray hair. You know, the saying is trustworthy. Beware of old men in a young man's game, right? Find those guys who've been around for a while. You got a deployment patch, you know, maybe a few badges, maybe a CIB. You know, we're just talking straight infantry here, but look for those guys and say, hey, how do I become better? Uh, you will not, excuse me, you will not listen to everything that comes from these men, right? I, I would go to platoon sergeant for maneuvering on the battlefield, but but probably not marital advice. You know, some of them maybe, but most of them not. <laughs> find a different mentor for different things. Uh, if you can find one man to cover multiple fronts, do that. But realize that he is just a man. He's got faults like you. Learn from his mistakes along with the things he does well. Another great avenue for learning is reading. Many of the battles of old are written down. You know, just take D-Day, for example. You can find books and analyze maneuvers and talk about what was supposed to happen and what did. Uh, you can also find plenty of books about all the equipment that was used and how it helped or hindered the Allied advance. Then you can look at and look at the next bookshelf and you'll find biographies, right, of all the generals or some privates that wrote, took a journal. Uh, who had Anyone who had anything to do with a um, with the battles, they have firsthand, some of them have firsthand accounts. The knowledge contained in books is something that many soldiers do not take advantage of. You know, many of division leaders have reading lists. And, and my thing is like, why don't sections have reading lists? I had a reading list for my sniper section. It consisted of biographies, field manuals, history, and many other sniper related writings. When I would read, uh, I had four highlighters with me, right? Yellow, generally, I like that. Blue, leadership. Green, tactical lesson. And pink was uh, something that I didn't like, right? And this helped me to break down what I was reading in an applicable way. You need to be constantly studying your craft, right? If you're um, in a sniper unit, get that sniper FM, start reading it, get books. Almost every sniper's got a book out there, right? Especially the the high profile guys. Start reading those books. What'd you like? What'd they do right? What'd they do wrong? Study your craft. You need to also be learning from those uh, whom you don't think have much to teach you. This is an interesting one because when I was in Afghanistan, we had a Romanian mountain unit uh, attached to us and we trained them on tactics, room clearing, weapons, urban com combat, other things like that. And, you know, we're working with these allied forces, but one thing we failed to do is learn from them, right? One evening I'm talking to a guy who I had become friends with um, and he was a Romanian scout right for their mountain battalion so you know being being that i was i was a sniper i we kind of occupied the same role so i started asking him questions about operating in the mountains of romania i had to tell him to pause <laughs> and i took out a notebook and started taking notes right there were some just diamonds of practical wisdom of operating in the mountains that i took things that we were not training right and so i remember him being a little shocked Right. When I scheduled a further meeting to discuss these things in more detail, I told him that for us, we over rely on our technology and we need to get to that level of fieldcraft that, that they were at. 
and we may have been better as the American army, right? But, but we're only better on certain things. So I had to go to him and say, Hey, I want to learn from you. The next kind of learning is something uh, no one is practically comfortable with. And that's correction. Proverbs 19, 25, strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence or prove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. We all need correction from time to time. And it's never comfortable to receive it. Like it's, it's never, never that fun. Everyone dreads the AAR after action review. And uh, they do not want their commander's chastisement, right? No, no one wants to be reamed out because we all have egos. But we got to put our pride aside and we have to want to get better. But that that that's hard to do. <laughs> you know, we're all experienced. We all want to perform well, but we got to take that when it comes. Because you got to look at the, look at the commander, look at the sergeant major. Do they really want you to fail? Because when you fail, they fail. They want you to be better. You need to accept the fact that we messed up, right? When we mess up, we got to take ownership, shut our mouths, listen, and correct the problem. This is wisdom that we learn from our mistakes. We need to change our mindset and realize that the critique is one more pass on the whetstone, right? So like, we're making the sword sharper. We're sharpening our blade. That critique is just one more sharpen. If you want to be the best, you need to develop a want for criticism. Take that criticism, even if it's from a bad leader, and make the needed adjustments when necessary, right? You, Hey, not all of it's going to be good, but a lot of it is. A lot of it will be. Better than learning from your mistake is learning from the mistakes of others. <laughs> Proverbs 21.11. When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. This is a repeat of the concept found in uh, 1925, just a little more added. The scoffer uh, is punished and the simple become wise. I can remember as a new guy, right? You get a new guy, you're a private, you're watching someone else get smoked relentlessly. He's having a really bad day. Push-ups, burpees, running, air squats, you name it, right? First thought that comes to your mind is whatever he did, I don't want to do it, right? The simple me was becoming wise. Why? Because someone else is getting corrected. When we are men of wisdom, we like to be instructed. Whether we are corrected for our own mistakes or learning from the mistakes of others, right? What we need to be able to learn and apply. It is not wrong to make a mistake. It is wrong to make the same mistake twice. Right. Take advantage of training. Learn from these opportunities. Next to leaders and especially leaders uh, who constantly learn it is a discipline that makes the best units. Military units from the division down to the squad level need to be disciplined, disciplined to perform at their best. Though discipline may seem rough and rigid, it is the key to freedom. Jocko Willink, who may, maybe some of you guys are familiar with, um, he's a Navy SEAL commander. He wrote in his book, Extreme Ownership, although discipline demands control and aestheticism, it actually results in freedom. When you have the discipline to get up early, you, you are rewarded with more free time. When you have the discipline to keep your helmet and body armor on in the field, you become more accustomed to it and can remove it freely. The more discipline you have to work out, train your body physically, become stronger, the lighter your gear feels and the easier you can move around in it. The more disciplined a unit is, the more freedom it will have to dominate. Even creativity needs to be routed in, in discipline or rooted, excuse me, in discipline. Uh, 
if you want to be good at anything, you need to be disciplined. When I would train myself, my soldiers, the sniper team, we would do hundreds of dry fires, right? It was never fun. It takes lots of time. And the temptation is just to skip it. But we disciplined ourselves to do it and became better at shooting as a result. The same applies to sports, right? I grew up wrestling and then during practice, we would do a single leg or a double leg hundreds of times, <laughs> hundreds of repetitions. We would sprawl throughout practice and constantly be working on our takedowns and escapes. We worked out every single day to stay in shape, right? Every sport's the same way. It's the same if you're playing baseball, if you're playing football, whatever it is. If you want to be good, you got to be disciplined. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Discipline starts by, by imposed, right? It, it's being imposed on you. And when that happens, no one likes it. But a soldier who wants to succeed and to learn to love will love discipline and cultivate it in his own life. So now it's self-discipline. So it's always imposed at first, and then it becomes self. The way you and your soldiers will begin to love discipline is when you point out the results. If you are disciplined and your squad wins a squad competition, point that out. Say that's because of all the discipline and the hard work you've been putting in. Any soldier worth his salt wants to win and hates losing. When your soldiers start to realize that winning is, is because of discipline, they will embrace your methods and, and they keep, keep wanting to win, right? <laughs> they'll embrace the method and they'll keep winning and they keep wanting that. Proverbs 20, verse 13, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. When you love comfort, you will put your life to ruin. When I was in the 25th, you know, the, the unit we were in was Recondo, Reconnaissance Commandos. And we were long range reconnaissance scouts for the brigade. And we would be miles in front of the closest support element. And as the snipers for them, we were the furthermost element, right? And it meant that we carried everything in and out. Our rucks weighed on average about 120 pounds, uh, not to include all our other equipment. You didn't last long in Rokondo if you didn't learn to love the suck. <laughs> it was what we would always say to one another when times got tough. We would just smile and say, gotta love it. And to perform at a high level, you have to be able to put aside your love for sleeping <laughs> in your nice comfy pillow. And you have to turn your love into the harder things of life, not comfort. You know, uh, Proverbs 21, 17 echoes the same message. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Here is the love of comfort leading to ruin. Most soldiers get this on deployment or in the field, but you have to be disciplined in your spending. That is why the poor, the, excuse me, the soldier who loves pleasure is a poor man. He spends all his money on wine and oil instead of disciplining himself to have financial freedom. Again, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a armed man. That's Proverbs 24, 33 to 34. When you don't discipline yourself, you lose everything. Here, the scripture gives us an example of a man who sleeps and folds his hands, and because he fails to work, poverty comes upon him like an armed man. The reason for his poverty is pretty obvious to us, but not to him. It comes upon him like a robber, an armed man, leading him to poverty. The beautiful thing about not having, about <clears throat> excuse me, not having discipline, is that you can start at any time, <laughs> right? The soldier can start being disciplined now, and eventually things will get easier. It's not easy to discipline yourself, but if you want to succeed, you have to be disciplined. 
It is hard to break into a city that is protected, especially with walls. When the enemy comes, they must go over or through the obstacle to plunder whatever's on the other side. This gives the soldier in time in the city time to mount up for a counterattack and kill the soldiers who are stuck at the obstacle. Walls are a main point of protection in guarding any city against quick ruin. In Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Discipline in our lives acts as a fortress. We protect our lives with discipline in every aspect. If you are disciplined, you will get up on time every morning in the right, in the right place, right time, right uniform, right? If a private can do these three basic things, he has set himself up for success. Discipline guards him against getting disciplined. <laughs> discipline in training is like a fortress in the fog of war. Uh, I had an opportunity to work with special operations in my deployment. And uh, before you have met any of these men, you always think that they're like superhuman, right? They're programmed by the matrix. <laughs> but I can remember watching these men get up every morning and run through magazine changes, ready up drills, pistol drills, and many other drills before they even ate breakfast. What made them the best was not like a superhuman program or all their fancy gear. It was disciplined repetition of their warfighter tasks and drills. It was the muscle memory that was being built up so that in the day of testing, they were prepared. We discipline ourselves so that when the time comes for the real fight, we are <clears throat> in shape enough to dominate physically, wise enough to outmaneuver the enemy, and can execute our battle drills without a second thought. All this comes from discipline. This is why discipline in the form of waking up early, working out, marching, and all the other things associated with basic training is instilled from the beginning. So if you want to be a a good warfighter, start to love discipline. Discipline is not only the foundation of good armies and good soldiers, but as Christians. You know, Galatians uh, 5, 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. A Christian will, quote, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, Luke 3, 8, and have a life that honors God. Apple trees make apples not oranges. So too, Christian trees produce Christian fruit. And so here we see one of those fruits is discipline. If a Christian is succeed in his spiritual life, he must be committed to the spiritual disciplines, and most importantly, uh, disciplined in fighting sin. Proverbs 5, 22 to 23, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast to the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. If you want to fight sin, you must have a disciplined walk. Your spiritual life must not be led by your emotions. People will say, well, I'm just led by what my heart, by my heart, my spiritual life, right? What my heart tells me I do. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked or deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who may know it? That's Jeremiah 17, 9. We must discipline ourselves to be in the scripture, to be in prayer and receiving a new heart. And that is only done through the truth of God's word. A soldier needs to live a disciplined life. How much more should a Christian soldier live that life? We as Christians need to live a life that is uh, an image of to the world of what it means to be like Christ, to be changed by Christ. And that's disciplined. As a godly grunt, right, you need to be the example to the rest of your squad, platoon, company, and the battalion of a disciplined lifestyle. Not just so that you will succeed on the battlefield, but so that you're a true light of Christ to them. 
but you cannot have discipline alone. She has a younger sister, which is called hard work, <laughs> right? These are sisters. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol is the land of the dead. And so when you die, it is too late to accomplish anything or to work hard. The preacher says that we are to work hard at everything we do and not just at what we want to do. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not only by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. This hard work does not please the eye. Rather, it's done because of who we are to please, because of who we are. We all have been around soldiers and civilians who, when the boss is around, they work extremely hard. But the second they leave, it's a slack hand, right? The hardworking soldier ought not to be this way. He should work hard because it's pleasing to God. This is the concept of working hard in everything we do. It is not just when our NCO is watching, but all the time. I would apply this concept when the uniform comes off in the evening, right? It has often been said, where you are, be all there. It is easy for me to be home in the body, yet my mind is at work thinking about my soldiers, thinking about whatever's coming up the next day, you know, whatever it is. When I am home, I need to be all there for my wife and kids. This takes hard works, older sister, discipline <laughs> to do. It's not easy, but it's necessary. This is something I struggle with now, even now I'm out of the military, right? Being all at home instead of at my work at the mission. It's easy to think about the stuff here at work and not be all in with my family and my kids. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced work. We need to be diligent in our work. It is when we work hard and are on top of our warrior tasks and drills that we will not be defeated in battle. The slothful will be overtaken in the day of testing. That is why we work so hard. We want to be, we want to rule the day. As we talk about this mix between sovereignty and the readiness on the battlefield, you can only control uh, one of these, <laughs> right? You can only control one. You can be ready. You are not the sovereign over the earth. Only God is. You cannot determine when the mortar round lands or who gets hit by a stray bullet. What you can do is ensure all your men are the best trained soldiers in the field of battle. Once the bullets start flying, there's no more time to prepare and practice a battle drill or a dry fire. It's game time. So be sure that you are as ready as possible for the rendezvous with death. And if the good Lord blesses you with another day, prepare for the next battle with vigor. With discipline and hard work, you will be far better prepared in the field of battle. And that's the lie that Hollywood tries to feed us, right? So we see these movies. And in the movie, it's the soldier or the policeman or whatever it is. And he's got, he's going to go out there and he's going to save the day while his wife or girlfriend is hiding under the, the table. And he hands her the weapon. And he says to her, you know, hey, I got to go out, but you use this to defend yourself. And she's like, but I don't, I don't know how to do it. And he's like, it's pretty easy, hon. He racks it back and he's like, just point, shoot. She's like, okay, I've never fired a weapon before. And then 20 dudes come down the hall. 
right? And it's just her. And he's out there monkeying around trying to figure out where the enemy is. Well, the enemy snuck behind and is about to capture this girl, right? Well, then, not knowing, never fired a gun before, headshots, all 20 of them. And they're all dead, right? And she's standing there. There's smoke coming out of the barrel. And she's all nervous still. But, you know, never fired a gun before, and she can do that. Yeah, that's not real life. That's not how it actually works. <laughs> you got to train. Yeah, you can get lucky. Anyone can get lucky. Beginner's luck. But that's not the way life works. You have to train. You have to be the best. Along with discipline and hard work comes care for your equipment. You cannot treat your equipment carelessly, allowing it to rust and decay and expect it to function properly. Proverbs 12.10 Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Now, this verse is talking about treating animals with care, uh, but the concept applies to your warfighting equipment. Animals were back then and still now in some places used for work, right? An ox will plow a field, a horse will draw a carriage, and the list goes on and on about how men have tamed animals to assist with their work. And the scripture says here that we are to care for those animals. Well, the same is true for caring for our weapons, our vehicle, we need to be good stewards of what we are given, regardless of whether it's living or not. Your weapon's your life. You need to care for it as if it's your baby or a child, <laughs> right? Daily maintenance and care should be given to everything we use. This is part of being a good steward. If you cannot care for the small things, why would you think you can be trusted with bigger things? In the parable of the talents, Jesus says, uh, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one, he gave five talents, another two, and another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. That's Matthew 25, 14 through 15. The man, who in the parable is God, gives to each of his servants talents and entrusts them with the, that money before his journey. Two of the servants, uh, one with five and one with two, invest it and double it. And the third servant buries it in the ground and, casts, and is then is cast into utter darkness for his unfaithfulness. And this parable tells us uh, to be good stewards of what God has given us and to invest it in his work. And what I want to focus on is each according to his own ability. Do you know why you are not in the position on the fire team or squad that you want to be? Maybe you have not been assessed as able. You need to remember the words of Christ. You have been faithful over little. You will be set over much. That's 25, Matthew 25, 23. Prove yourself with where you're at. Care for the equipment that you have and, and the position you are in. And over time, you will be given more and more to continue to prove yourself. In the American military, one of our advantages over our enemy is our superior warfighting toys, right? It is our battleships, planes, tanks, artillery, rifles, and machine guns. It will aid the American warfighter to be the best. Some of this equipment is easy to maintain, like an M4. Others, it is a pain and a lot of maintenance, like a Bradley fighting vehicle. I have never been with Bradleys. I was in uh, light infantry my entire time, but I've talked to guys who were mounted and they and mechanized, and they said it's the worst. Well, Proverbs 14.4 says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but an abundance of crops comes from the strength of the ox. An ox can do a lot of work on the farm. Training an ox to plow, pull the plow and other animals to do the work of the farm makes life a lot easier and brings forth more crops. But an ox needs to eat. 
and when an ox eat, it's going to get poop. <laughs> and if there's one thing you cannot train an ox to do, it's clean up its own poop. <laughs> so you need to do that. And though it stinks, and then in this case, literally, it is worth it for the production that comes from the ox. And the same is true for our equipment in the military. Motor pool Monday is no one's favorite. It is not fun. It is annoying to do the same PMCS, preventative maintenance checks and services, week in and week out. But it is necessary if you want to use that equipment and for it not to fail you. You need to be disciplined in the care of your equipment so that it will never fail you. Constantly check over your weapons and equipment to ensure that there's no rust, dust, or carbon. And be sure that your rifles are properly lubed up and ready to fight at a moment's notice. This takes, again, discipline. And I'd rather shovel poop than perform like it. Let me say that again. I'd rather shovel poop than perform like it. You catch my drift. Now that you and your squad are disciplined fighters and work hard and care for your equipment, you need to know what you're striving towards. You are always striving and working towards excellence. Proverbs 22, 29. You see a man skillful in his work, he will stand before kings and not before obscure men. If you want to be the best, you need to strive for excellence in everything you do. Like this verse here says, I don't want to stand before the baby-faced private and have him call me the best squad leader in the battalion. I want the command sergeant major to say that when he rates me. That's who I want. Right? I want to continue to excel in my warfighter capabilities and my leadership skills so that I can go to the leadership with confidence. And I want to be able to stand before my, quote, kings. When I was a, again, when I was in sniper units, we'd be given recon missions that no one else wanted or was crazy enough to do. I've always said, you don't have to be the toughest, you just got to be the craziest. During one training event, we were doing a reconnaissance on a town and we had run out of water. So we snuck down to the village and started to steal what we could from the enemy. When we got down there, we realized we could get a good view of the entire town if we drove around it in the vehicles. So we so we killed the guards, took the pieces of their uniforms uh, to blend in, just their helmets, and we stole the Humvees and started to drive around uh, looking for weak spots in their defense. Once we found that uh, we could send an infantry company through a certain spot, we drove back, put our sniper symbol on the water can, <laughs> and went back to report it to our leadership. After we radioed up to the brigade commander, he sent through the company, um, and we pulled and we pulled long range support with our sniper rifles. After the attack, we were pulled back uh, to a link up spot. And after a few hours, a brigade commander and commence our major uh, came up to our position to congratulate us and meet and meet us. Right? You wanted to you wanted to say, "Hey, this was successful recon. This is awesome." And one thing about Guardian, and that was our our name for the snipers, is that we were a lot bigger. Right? We were kind of big guys. Uh, we had one guy who was on the smaller side, but the rest of us were pretty big and. You know, not a lot of, not all of it was muscle. We were a little padded. And after the brigade commander congratulated and thanked us, uh, he, he said something I'll never forget. He was like, you know, you boys are the best snipers I've ever worked with, which was saying a lot. I mean, he was, he had been in a lot of good units. And um, he said, he's like, heck, I'd send, I, when I send you out, I'm moving a lot of meat through that jungle. <laughs> he's like a lot of meat moving through that jungle. Oh man, and when I reflect on this story, it always brings a, a chuckle to me, right? But but it says to rely on the point that we hear see here in the scripture. Work hard or hard work done with excellence will bring you before the leaders that you want to be in front of. 
you will stand before them and report for the good work you are doing. You want to be in front of the commander and the command sergeant major being told, well done, not the private. Warfighting is a skill and an art. It takes time to master and do it with excellence. I was never the best soldier out there by any means, right? But I would be brought in front of leadership for my commitment and hard work to my unit a lot, <clears throat> a lot throughout my career. And when I would be asked why I worked so hard, my answer was always the same. Sir, I, I worked so hard because at the end of the day, I don't work for you. I believe my hard work is a reflection of God. And so I will work hard and do my best for him. Did I do that perfectly every time? Absolutely not. But as Christians, that's what we should be striving for. We should always strive for excellence as warfighters, constantly improving. And there are plenty of excellent soldiers who, who will never be given an opportunity to prove themselves because the nation did not need them to fight. They are no lesser uh, because they weren't given the opportunity. They would have performed probably better than some of us, right? So what I am saying is does not only apply to them, but to all soldiers. We all know the studs who are great at PT, great at shooting, and have all the tactical and technical knowledge. But when they get to the field, they cannot put it together. Right? They're the good soldier in garrison, terrible in the field. Or there's the great guys in the field. But once the stress of their of a real operation comes, they fall apart. That perfect score on the fitness test does not help you when bullets start flying. And we see that in Proverbs 24.10. If you faint on the day of adversity, your strength is small. <laughs> you are not strong or good if you cannot perform on the day of adversity. You may be running the best ball in drills. You may uh, to perform, but you need to perform on the rubber meets the road. I have seen this in my uh, military career where soldiers who have all the fancy gear and the big muscles, they often fall short when it comes to actually doing the job of a grunt. Don't be that way. Perform your duties with excellence and hit it out of the park when you get in the field. Now, what I am not saying is that you do not work hard in garrison and on the drills. <laughs> it is doing the little things and the little disciplines the right way that will help you perform better in the field. You need to practice your magazine changes. And from every position in garrison, so that way when you're doing it on a raid, right, you, you do it with perfection. That is the muscle memory that's already been built. And you don't want to build it there. You want to build it back in garrison. So you must not neglect the daily disciplines and practices. But you must also not rely on those to give you an accurate measure of how you will perform. One way to practice training is to do it with stress added. This is why drill sergeants yell and scream at you while doing tasks, right? It's an added stress into your training so you can become more comfortable with uncomfortable. It is only through this that you can start to perform where you need to be. It tests your soldiers so that they will understand that it is that they are good enough in perfect positions and they're good enough under physical stress, screaming, loud noises, buddies dying, all the horrible things of combat. And there's some things you can't replicate, right? We're not going to kill dudes in training. But you can get as close as you can safely. Make the dudes do exercises in the middle of it. When you are fighting with excellence, you do something very important. Present a hard target. I remember on patrols becoming very frustrated uh, that my squad would not be getting attacked. And that may sound crazy, uh, but as a young, dumb infantryman, right, <laughs> we want to get some. And I remember my first sergeant pulling me aside and saying, they don't attack you because you present a hard target. He went on to explain the enemy observed the way we presented ourselves. And this was not, and that our group was not a mess. So because we weren't a mess, you didn't want to mess with us. They went home to their wife 
they want to go home to their wife just as much as we did. So they weren't going to try to attack us if they knew they had a less chance of survival. And that was the intel he said that he had gotten. Now, whether he was just saying that to blow smoke up my butt or whether that's truth, it's it's still the same. When you perform with excellence, you prepare, you portray strength and you win the fight before it starts. Though all of us grunts want to be challenged by a fight with the enemy, it's better to win and not risk your soldiers' lives, not lose a friend for a shiny piece of metal by presenting that hard target. For the warfighter, like many other jobs, you want your reactions to situations to be automatic, like second nature. When performing battle drills, you want yourself and you want yourself and your squad to be performing their assigned duties uh, in that drill without thinking, right? You want it to be a battle drill. When I yell break contact, I shouldn't have to explain to my saw gunner what to do. We have drilled that so many times that he knows just how to react and how to break contact. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the animal sluggard, consider her ways, be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her harvest, food in harvest. Admittedly, this verse is not about battle drills, but is, but is rather a condemnation of those who are lazy. They need to look at the ant who doesn't need to be told to work hard, just does it. However, the ant does all this work instinctively, just like we want to be doing uh, our battle drills. The ant's battle drills is to gather food and prepare the bread for harvest. As soldiers, this should be what we strive for. The first round whizzes by your head. You want your brain to automatically return fire, call and call out your 3Ds and seek cover, right? Unlike the ant, who without having any chief officer or ruler, we as fighting men have leaders, right? We just we just got, in talk, got done talking about that to make the next decision. We have received contact. Now what do we do? We are going to break contact, or are we going to attack? When that decision is made by the squad or platoon leader, it is sent down to all the soldiers in the platoon or patrol. It is here that the squad or platoon goes into muscle memory reaction to perform their duty. The thought processing has been trained out of them so that way they can stay alive. Again, this is what we want to be. We want to we want our soldiers to be. To be disciplined, hardworking soldiers who perform our warfighter tasks and drills without hesitation and to a standard of excellence. This takes training and training and training and more training. <laughs> but two things constantly get in the way of our of getting the standard of excellence, and that's compromises and complacency. There's two things that are soldier killers. There are times when we know the right thing to do, yet we compromise and do our own thing. We take the easy path, or we outright reject what we're being told. We are given the wisdom to follow, yet we want to do our own thing for our own selfish or foolish regions. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. When we do not follow the wisdom of those who trained us, assuming they did so correctly, uh, we start to follow the way that seems right to us rather than submitting. This happens in all areas of our lives. Uh, we read or learn a way to do things and we do not submit to it because of pride. Now, does that not that does not mean everything we read is right. Everything must be weighed against the standard. And as a Christian, your standard is the word of God. We already talked about that a few episodes ago. And when we are corrected or advised in combat, especially by a senior NCO who has experience, we need to put our thoughts aside and follow wisdom. Not doing so could cost us or our platoon their lives. The other C word that is a soldier killer is complacency, right? 
I think a lot of us have done this, so I don't think I'm I'm anyone special, but in my in our QRF room, we put complacency kills right up on the wall. When you get complacent, you put yourself in danger. When we train and train and train, you can feel like you are good enough or that you have perfected your craft. The problem is that you can never be good enough at something. You can always improve. When you start training, magazine changes, your muscle memory is not as good. Or excuse me, when, yeah, when you start training, it's not as good. Then you start doing it from different positions and you'll just get better and better and better. It's when you stop training that you start getting slow and you're not as crisp. Secondly, you can never run out of things to train and get better at. (laughs) As soldiers, there are so many little things that, that you need to be good at. You need to know every medical task, every weapon, every tactic, every radio, more and more and more. There are so many things that frontline soldiers need to get their need to get his hands on and become proficient at. And no matter how long you have been in or what your rank is, there's always something to learn and perfect. Proverbs 132, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. You are never where you need to be. You are never in a good spot. When you think that you're there, you might as well throw in the towel. You learn very quickly that you need to continue to get better and better every day. You cannot get complacent even for a day. And as leaders, you need to push your guys to always be training and getting better. They will need the push. (laughs) Remember that while you are training to go seek and destroy the enemy, someone is doing that for you. The enemy is preparing for you as you are reading and studying this. Will you work harder? Will you be more prepared? If you want to make it back home to your family, you better be. I always used to to tell my guys that Taliban Tim is training right now to kill you, (laughs) right? That is the mindset we ought to be in. Well, I am lazy. The enemy is not. So let me get back to training. Now, the Taliban were extremely lazy fighters. But it's that concept is true. So, So you're listening to this and you think, yeah, I think I will try that out. Or the scriptures are right. I do need to be more disciplined. And you might go to your fire team squad or platoon and talk to them about how you need to be more disciplined. But as my grandmother always used to say, talk, talk is cheap. Proverbs 14, 23. In, in all toil, there is profit, but mere talk only tends to poverty. <clears throat> the motto of the 2nd Battalion, 22nd Infantry Regiment, one of the units I was in, was deeds, not words. We would often challenge one another with deeds, which meant don't just talk about it, be about it. Talk is cheap. And anyone can say things like, I can manage 200 pounds, or I'm going to go to ranger school. But until you do it, it's just words. I don't want your words. I want your deeds. Don't talk about being the best in the squad, or being the best squad in your battalion, or being the best platoon out there. Train hard and get there. There is only toil of tra- in training, and you will get better. Don't just talk about being better. Train. If you are looking for some practical advice, start by mastering everything in your arms room. If you don't know how something works, ask someone, even if it means repenting of lying about it before. Start to figure it out. You need to know every weapon, radio, and every other piece of equipment that that you could come in touch with in combat. Get with your platoon medic and have him teach you everything he knows. On the day of battle, he could be quite busy (laughs) or he could be dead. And it may be up to you to save your other soldiers' lives. Also, get with your RTO, radio telephone operator, the commo guy, 
learn how to fill all the radios, right? Learn how to get them all up and running. Once you have an understanding of all this, you need to put together a training calendar to remain proficient at these tasks. Continual discipline training will keep you proficient and alive. Never get complacent. There's so much to learn, so much to learn. There's a very good way to ensure that you will not get complacent and not just talk without action, and that is evaluation. For example, take a PT test, right? This test varies from branch to branch, but the test shows you where you want to be, right? I want to be a 300. I'm only at 165. So now I have to get better. So I'm going to start doing PT more, right? I'm going to do this every month. I'm going to evaluate myself every month. Okay, I got here. Okay, I got here. Okay, I got here. If you're not doing an official one, right? Um, just ask your team leader to do one for you on an afternoon. And he can say, hey, I'm giving Cooper a PT test. No one's going to tell him no. <laughs> and a part of any big evaluation, especially in training, is the dreaded AAR after action review. Sometimes they are stupid. The hot wash can get really dumb. And when you just get done with the patrol or you get back, the last thing you want here is, all right, let's do a quick AAR. <laughs> and AAR is a simple, simply an evaluation of how you performed, right? It consists of what was supposed to happen, what actually happened, three sustains, three improves, and then action steps to get better. Most soldiers and leaders hate taking the time to do this. However, it's extremely important. Proverbs 27.5 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Though our pride may, uh, may hate to hear someone correct us, we got to improve, right? We got to be evaluated. We got to hear it. One reason we hate correction is we have egos, right? We all don't want to hear. We all think we're good enough, but we have to glean from others. Learning and listening to someone else is not not being the alpha man, right? That's, that's being humble and being wise and learning to be better. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke goes deep in, deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. <laughs> a man of understanding takes a rebuke deep inside himself and works to correct whatever he did wrong. We need to evaluate first, who is the sources? Second, what are they saying? And third, are they right? It's easy. What's the source? What are they saying? Are they right? And if you're in leadership, if your leadership is giving you a rebuke, right? Take it seriously. Improve your crack, uh, craft. Excuse me. A fool takes 100 blows because he never corrects himself. <laughs> Don't be the fool. When you're in a position uh, to offer some critique, remember this simple phrase: "Keep it simple." Those of us who those of us who go on and on, like myself, <laughs> never truly get their point across. They think that because they said multiple times, they said multiple things, that it's coming across more effectively. But it is diluting the advice given. Just keep it short, sweet, and simple. It's better understood. You don't waste the precious time that they could be using to get better. And here we read this in Ecclesiastes 10.14. A fool multiplies words, though a man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what it will be after him. You do not know, so you keep <clears throat> so keep what you are what you know short and sweet. You don't know everything. <laughs> so we have seen that before you enter combat, you need to train. You need to be disciplined, right? And next time we're going to look at sovereignty. Right. So we took all this time. We're doing train and trust. So this time we did train. And next time we're going to do trust. We're going to do God's sovereignty over combat. And so 
Um, I hope this was good. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, they just pulled 3,000 IRR guys. And I actually know one of them that they're pulling. And so this is a, a pretty serious time. And if you're uh, listening to this and you're a military age male, which means you're under the age of 35, you, you might want to start getting in shape. You might want to start training. Uh, you might want to start going to the range a little bit. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that because we, we need to know, we need to be ready at all times. And if you're in the military, yeah, I, I, you may be getting briefs that it says, hey, boys, this may be coming. Now, I remember when I was in, you know, we thought we were going to invade North Korea. We started training for it. Um, never happened, right? We never invaded North Korea. And maybe they just told us that so that way we uh, would get ready. But we got to remember that at any time we could enter combat. And if you're a civilian and you don't want to go to combat, well, you could still be pulled at any time. We have a massive recruiting problem. Well, guess what happens in massive recruiting problems? We go to war and those recruiting stations aren't filled. Yeah, you're going to get pulled. You're going to get drafted. So... I hope that uh, this encourages you to train hard if you're in and if you're out. Train hard. Don't be slack, right? Don't have a slack hand. Just be diligent. Be training hard. And uh, trust God. Trust God that whatever your job is, right? Let's let's get off of soldiering for a minute. Whatever your job is, train hard. Trust God. And so um, you can follow the Godly Grunts on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can email me at thegodlygrunt at gmail.com. I'd love to interact with you. Uh, Matt has a couple of books. Again, he wasn't able to make it today, but it's a theology of prayer from Andrew Fuller and also uh, a few days to a better prayer life. Sorry, Matt. I can't remember exactly what the title of your book is. Um, speaking of that, Matt and I actually just got done um, authoring the Soldiers or Warfighters Catechism. So the Warfighter's Catechism is kind of comes off of the idea of the Soldier's Catechism from Oliver Cromwell. And so if you don't know what that is, Oliver Cromwell, he wrote a catechism for his soldiers. And it was a lot more about the actual conflict they were in, Puritans versus the Papists. Now, he uh, he had some things in there that were general. But what Matt and I wanted to do is we wanted to make a a more general warfighter um catechism and really tackle some of the hard questions like that we tackle here on this podcast you know how do I, how am i a christian and shoot someone in the face like that kind of stuff how do i love my enemy yet train every day to kill them and so we made this catechism and right now it's at the publishers uh we're, we're trying to get it published so i'm not going to say who we're trying to go through uh, we'll, we'll let more details roll as we go on but please keep that effort in prayer uh, please keep that in prayer as we, we want to be able to bless soldiers with a catechism that, um, that answers these tough questions about training, about, uh, the sovereignty of God in combat and all the rest. And so, uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, again, you can follow us on all those platforms. You can, uh, follow other like-minded podcasts at the Fide Fellowship, especially Carpe Fide. They're about to do a lot of episodes on education, uh, which is going to be really good. And um, and also you can support us financially by donating to the Niagara Gospel Mission. The Niagara Gospel Mission has a veterans program for homeless veterans. 
Um, and so if you'd like to help homeless veterans in Western New York, uh, please go to our website, which will be linked below and donate towards that effort. And until next time, climb for his glory.